I've no, no idea whether that was good or not, but uh, <laughs> I think we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Well done. It's it's as close as difficult. it's as close as I'm going to get to perfect Hungarian. I think we can we can safely leave it at that. Um, welcome to the final lap podcast, everybody. It was the Hungarian Grand Prix last week. Um, in fact, just a few days ago, as Sean was keen to point out to me at the start of the uh, the quick show. Turnaround, yeah, quick turnaround between Silverstone and Hungary. So yeah. And then the three, three week, four week bloody gap. They always do that. They always give you <laughs> no gap at all. And then the huge summer break lulls you into a false sense of security. Well, it's... Oh, lots of F1 going on. This is great. And then, oh, no. <laughs> now I've got to actually go out and enjoy myself with people and stuff. Shit. <laughs> yeah, people. <laughs> <laughs> Non-F1 oh, yeah. fans, they don't understand. <laughs> well, the good thing is, though, you know, Spa on the other side of the break, so it's something to look forward to. Very much so, very much so. But as we mentioned, it was the Hungarian Grand Prix last weekend. Um, bit of a funny one. A, a track not noted for its overtaking opportunities, but produced what ended up being a bit of a fantastic race um, for the main. Um Straight from qualifying, right off well, the bat, was, wasn't it? I was going to say you couldn't really have <laughs> you couldn't really have written it any um, any more spectacular, really, than that first quali session. Um, the uh, the change in my mood from about quarter past one <laughs> on Saturday to three o'clock on Sunday afternoon was uh, astronomical. On at quarter past one on Saturday, I was thinking this is going great. So obviously that's because of the big incident in qualifying. Talking point was the another qualifying uh, failure. That's probably not not no uh, not his own fault this time round for Lewis Hamilton. He still can't seem to get it right in qualifying for what seems like. I don't know when was the last time he had a good quality? Because he was um, Spain. Bad. He was bad in Austria. He was bad in uh, Silverstone through the brake failure and the engine failure in. In uh, Hungary, just there. So, I mean, is that three qualifying sessions in a row? He's, I mean, I mean, I, he was last on pole in Spain, wasn't he? I think. You have to think he's probably tops the championship if he had got those qualifying sessions, even remotely, close to being where they should. It's ebbs and buts, you know. Who knows what would have happened in the races? But it's just he, he can't seem to get any luck on a Saturday. This weekend was no different. And that fire, I thought we'd seen it all the week before with the Toro Rosso going up, but by wow, that was some... It didn't want to go point. out, did it? No, it was mental. <laughs> yeah, you don't, usually it's a bit of oil overspill or something like that, and it goes up really quickly, but then, you know, he's, he's out within seconds. So it was really unusual to see it just like gently rolling down the pit lane, massively on fire. The team radio recording was brilliant, it was like... Stop the car, Lewis. Stop the car. I can't stop the car. Okay, just keep going, Lewis. Just keep going. <laughs> it was brilliant. Like. Well, uh, I was wondered because, do you know what I mean? If it starts melting the, the electrics and stuff and shorting stuff out, could you could you have a situation like that where some kind of anti-stool and other bits and pieces get the revs going high enough to actually, like, trundle the car along in a low gear? I don't surely, know. Surely, like, when 
when something's burning to such an extent, all bets are off <laughs> with what is possible yes. and what isn't possible. Like, it was in massive amount of flames. Like, who, like, just anything could have happened at that point. Do, do you know what? It's, it's a weird, it's one of those weird things that in, in the sort of synergy of stuff. Um, on Twitter, I was um, I'm following, um, I think it's at ScarbsF1, uh, Craig Scarbs' um, Twitter account. He does lots of technical stuff. Um, in F1, it goes pretty. It seems to go to most of the races. Got real great technical knowledge of the <clears throat> Formula One tech and stuff. So he obviously takes lots of intricate photos of the cars. And one of the things that he pointed out, and it's funny enough, it's something I've noticed but never really thought about. Have you ever seen the big E's on the side of the car in a circle? Mm, on any Formula One car, yeah. specifically the Mercedes. No, all of them. I don't think so. There is a. It's it's not easy to spot, but occasionally I've seen them, and I've always wondered what the hell they were. I've always assumed it might have been E for electrical, but actually, um, it's E for extinguisher, and it's a little hook that the marshals can pull that's supposed to pull the internal extinguisher. Ah, okay. So it was really funny that he posted this this picture on on Twitter like the day before, saying, "Oh yeah, this big E means this is where the marshals can pull to get the extinguisher working." And then, <laughs> and then the car caught so amazingly on fire, I don't think any of the marshals could have gotten anywhere close to pulling that thing and had to douse the uh, the back of that Mercedes in quite a large amount of uh, powder. You're talking about just behind the sort of the helmet yes. underneath the onboard camera. Uh, I think it de- I think it depends on the on the car exactly, yeah. but it's around that sort of area. On the sort of t- the top of the. It's at the top of the engine cover somewhere. Yeah, the engine cover, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see it. I've looked up a picture and I see exactly what you mean. So that, I didn't know that. I'll, I'll uh, say that as well. I, I, I was like, yeah, I had no idea what that meant. So is that is that what it, is that what it is? Is that an extinguisher? It's okay. the external cool. extinguisher activation thing. When you think you know everything there is to know, it's well, something else. But, <laughs> like I say, if you if you follow AppScars F1, you'll definitely uh, you'll learn a few interesting things about the how smaller change can in F1 can be. It's um, it's really re- really very interesting. He yeah, um. Sorry, carry on. I was just saying, it was very interesting to follow at the very start of the season when they were redesigning all the noses of the cars because he, he was getting hold of some some of the sort of crash test footage and then piece, piecing together like the shadows of the nose and saying, well, from here and this angle and from here and this angle, I can deduce that it's this there. And he was fucking close to what they actually were. It was like, ah, oh, like the Caterham's one. Mm-hmm. Like he had footage of the crash test from the Caterham's one, and the the sort of drew a picture of it, and it was really, really super close to exactly how it was. It was just like Ooh. excellent. Sure. Well, um, first I'll give him a follow, but um, yeah, yeah, Lewis obviously huge engine. Uh, well, it turned out to be an oil leak in the end that actually caused the fire, didn't oh, it? Oh, was it an oil? I didn't find I out even, in the end. Yeah, I, I, mean, I thought it was a fuel, so, but that, that's what they were saying at the time. I yeah. don't remember. So, so. He blows. He he's he's gone. He's 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 not even setting a lap time at this point. He's he's definitely going to be pit lane start that. There wasn't like um, Hockenheim the week before where he'd gotten a little bit of time in and he could maybe start you know five or six places from the back. He, that was that's him. That's a rebuild for the whole evening. So not only has it ruined his uh, qualifying, he's now going to be driving a car that's been built overnight. So not looking good for Lewis, and that left uh, an as in Hockenheim an easy pole for. For our championship leader Nico Rosberg. Uh, yes, he uh, he he did rather sort of um, romp his way to it. Although I, I guess the the tricky conditions didn't mean mean he had it kind of all of his own way. They but, didn't, but at no point did you expect him not to get it. 
No, when he... There when was sort a little of... bit of, oh, maybe this wet, is he going to... Oh, he's run wide a wee bit on that corner. But, you know, it kind of always had it, I think, yeah. comfortably, more or less. I think the thing was, is you think, you know, it's as close as the Red Bull is probably ever going to get to them on the basis yeah. that the massive downforce they have is, is somewhat know, negated, but it's still... He rocked up half a second faster than Sebastian Vettel, who became the surprise contender for quality. So, if, if you know Red Bull, you would have to assume the best they're going to get out of their car is going to be around Hungary, isn't it? I mean, their car's set up for the yeah, the the, the, the high the high downforce kind of things. Like, so they're probably going to be closer to the Mercedes this weekend than. Certainly, they would have been last weekend in Hockenheim. Certainly, they will be next weekend in Spa. So, yeah. Uh, but in the end of the day, nothing too major to worry about for Rosberg. The other major talking point, other than <laughs> the decent pace, was that of uh, of Vettel was of course Magnussen, who uh, was it? What session was it? Was it second session? End of Q2. Uh, Q3. No Q3. Q3. Uh, straight off into the first corner, following Nico Rosberg tiptoeing round, runs a little bit wide, and then you just you, the camera's focusing on Rosberg, and you just hear the shunt <laughs> somewhere to the right-hand side of Kevin Magnussen. Uh, fairly hefty incident, right enough, and uh, yeah, not he joins Lewis starting from the pit lane. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very unfortunate for Kevin Magnussen, who's uh, seemed to seem to be going quite well in the wet. Um, but the, you know, these are the things he's. Uh, He's a rookie driver. Let's not forget, and you know he's going to make these mistakes, thinking that he can yeah. he can go a bit faster than Rosberg. And nope, he couldn't. Better, better drivers and more experienced drivers than Kevin Magnussen have caused shunts in <laughs> tricky conditions. So Indeed, I don't think he's got anything to worry about. Now, Sean, 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 you are a Ferrari fan, so I will forgive you for yep. trying to bury the fact that. Oh, you know, I, had, I just. <laughs> I just forgotten. I hadn't even tried to bury it. I just forgot about it. I was... I Poor old Kimi Raikkonen. I was kind of running late for qualifying. I went, I went to Greg's. Just like, <laughs> I was running. I was like, couldn't was be like, oh, more it's, Scottish. It's five past one. And I said, I said this to Jennifer. It's five past one. Ah, oh, I'll only miss Q three. Probably, I'll probably just be the black markers to go out. There'll be nothing major happening in Q three. I get in the door and Lewis's car's on fire and Kimi Raikkonen sat in the garage while Jules Bianchi's trundling around <laughs> to pop up to eliminate him into Q3. Now, I, I wasn't trying to bury it, truthfully. wasn't trying to bury it. Just did, honestly. I've become that accustomed to poor Kimi Raikkonen performances <laughs> in the 2014 Ferrari that I just forgot. And, yeah, I mean, you can't blame Kimi on that one. That was a team no, decision. Oh, it was a team decision, absolutely. Team no. call. Told him to stay in. Ended up looking like a bell end. Because he got put out by the Marussia. That was it. It's happened to the best of them. It's, it's true. To the best of them, but it's not happened to Ferrari twice in the space of a month at Silverstone and fucking uh, Hungary now. So you'd think they would have learned a lesson a little bit, <sighs> but obviously not. No. I mean, just go out. I mean, is it really worth starting? What, like, especially in Hungary? You cannot afford to get a low qualified grid in Hungary. I mean, I know this weekend was a bit of an anomaly because of the weather. But, like, nine times out of ten, you're not going to pass many cars around that track, so you have to make sure you qualify well. Take the risk on... Take the extra tyres. Like, burn the tyres if you have to. Get a good grid slot. Yeah. Silliness. But... 
and of all the people and, and of all the people to go out to the man yeah, quite possibly most likely to take his drive <laughs> the year after next great lap by Jules perfect lap by Jules because it was a weird lap I was watching it closely and I was like does he he looked like he was slower going through the middle sector it looked like he was, I was like oh Kimmy's going to be fine and then as soon as he came over the start line I was like wow wow where'd that come from Jules kind of pulled out of the bag so you know me, I'm a great Jules Bianchi fan, so happy to see him do well, definitely, but just silliness by Ferrari. It's at the point, though, where, you know, <laughs> what does it matter? <laughs> Who cares anymore? Fucking, they're going to, on something like six points for the season. <laughs> what does it matter? And Fernando Alonso is the one-man show, as always, at Ferrari, and... Kimi Raikkonen's just inherited Massa's car, he's inherited more than just his drive, he's inherited the luck, he's inherited everything, so... That was qualifying anyway, was there anything else from qualifying you had to mention? Uh, nothing in particular really, everybody was pretty much where everybody thought they were going to... Oh, well, the Williams struggling somewhat, it seemed at this They're track. Okay qualifying, Bottas was third. But the, but the... It wasn't so much... Mercedes Williams Red Bull as it has been in the last few races. It, do you not know I mean it? It was mm -hmm. the, the no, Red, Red Bull definitely were... looked the best of the non Mercedes, of, of, of not the Mercedes. The teams team. that aren't Red, Mercedes, yeah. Yeah, Red Bull looked the best. But like I say, I, I expected that this weekend with the nature of being of Hungary. So I'm not I'm not surprised by that. That leads us nicely into the race where I'm sure Red Bull will continue to be uh, quite a major talking point given given the winner of the race. I know you'll be absolutely delighted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Uh, good old... Coming, a fully paid-up member of the Daniel Ricciardo fan club this season. Goes into things like... It is. Just continues to impress, though, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, such a good drive. Measured drive. Do you know what I mean? Measured is a great word to describe it. it is like... Pushed hard when you really needed to. And Do you know what I mean? You could, I think he could have been well forgiven that after the first set of pit stops and um, a safety car and pit stops of thinking that really probably his race was pretty much over because he was behind Sebastian at that point and it just didn't seem like it was necessarily going to go his way. Um, but by the time the second um, safety car had come out and everybody changed over, it was suddenly like, I oh know, hang on a minute, he's, he's out first. What's going on? That doesn't... There, was a, there was a moment where everybody kind of seemed to realise that Ricardo was in tra had track position and decent tyres, and like Brundle and that were just kind of like, wait a minute, Daniel Ricardo was the favourite to win this race. Like, it just it just sort of happened. But that's that was the bit nature of the race. Things just happened. Like one minute Rosberg was ten seconds clear, cruising. All it takes was one safety car, and he suddenly only a second ahead of Lewis Hamilton on the track. So it was just one of those races where you can't, you can't, you know, you I think, can't predict anything. You just had to roll with it. Every the strategists earned their money that weekend. You just had to everything that came. You just had to roll with it because there was no way you could start sitting that grid and predict exactly how that strategy was going to no, work out. No, I think at the end of the day, if you look at it, first to sixth all benefited from the chaotic nature of the race. Everybody seventh downwards, um, who you know, who was expect, who could have had a reasonable expectation of maybe doing well, all suffered adversely either through just timings of safety cars or decisions made by the team. 
um, but you know, based on the weather and bits and pieces. So I think it's it's really funny how you know it still goes to show you that good strategy will utterly, utterly change your race. It doesn't you know it doesn't matter how fast you are or how good your car is. You still got to make the right decisions at the oh, right time. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the key, the key um, thing there, the, the main talking point of on that subject is the one who didn't make the key decision was McLaren. Uh, Jensen Button and Kevin Magnussen, the first safety car, the only two cars in the entire 20 grid to, to stick with the intermediate tyres. There was a brown bit where Jensen was kind of on the radio just going, I don't think this is right, guys. It's the way he went, let's hope the weather forecast is okay. <laughs> it's just the kind of like, we're going to look like total twats if this doesn't come off. Yeah, and it did but I think, I think there were a lot of calls like that, though. I mean, that was the, obviously the most strikingly bad one. Um, you don't blame McLaren for taking a punt. But what can you do? I mean, if, if you're McLaren gonna... and your cars are likely to finish like eighth, ninth, or tenth, yeah, why not? You know, and like... you think, well, if there's just a slight sprinkling of rain, we could be like a fucking lap and a half ahead of everybody else by the time they switch to the tires we're already on. Like, and Kevin, Kevin Magnussen could have just that could have made his race sticking with his inters enough to get him from right on the back of the grid i mean it wouldn't you know he's he's still gonna have to stop but at least he'd have gone from back of the grid you know up to making all of that time back and then some before coming in it could have been the most heroic call you've yeah, ever seen was, in a race as it turned out to be it looked like the most retarded it was, it was, hero, it was hero or zero wasn't it but at that point, I was praying for more rain. I thought, this is, you know, I would love to see more rain at that point, just to see what would happen. And I don't like, I like races by any kind of damp track. It always makes it interesting. But but when it's raining and then it goes, they're all on slicks and then they go back to wets and then they go back to slicks and it's back mm. and forward. That's when it gets really, really interesting. And I was kind of at that point, I was like, right, stick them all on slicks and then let the heavens open again, just for the little thing. And it didn't come. I was so as much as I'm not a McLaren fan and don't really want to see him do particularly well. At that point, I was hoping for more rain, just see what would happen, see Jensen maybe, see if he could build up a lead and see if they could catch him, things like that. I thought, thought it would be an interesting. And obviously, at that point, Rosberg's advantage had been eroded, so I was thinking more rain might at least spice things up a little bit there. But at the point where Rosberg was leading it in front, I was thinking no rain, no rain, please. This is going fine. <laughs> but um, the safety car, that was the first major sort of incident that, that, that shook things up. Uh, well, who was it that caused the safety car? Was uh, Mark Saracen, yes. Did, um, it like, uh, both you know, both the safety cars, of course, were, were pretty big incidents, although the second one, Sergio Perez rather laughed off, saying it probably looked worse than it was. But I thought Ericsson's was very yeah. similar to Kimi Raikkonen's in that he did the slidey thing got the car sideways and then it suddenly caught which meant uh, he went pinged, yeah that's right nose yeah. first into the into the barrier and slammed around i tell you what even you know i know formula one cars are a bit crumbly in general this this season but the fucking catering disintegrates at the merest provocation yeah, like that true. car was fucking ruined and <laughs> it's just like okay that's, How are they uh, passing crash tests? You have to question sometimes. Well, they obviously are, so we can't. They're obviously safe. I guess uh, it's the it's the rear part of the car just isn't, you know, isn't put together very sturdily. Um, you yeah. know, I know they're breaking stuff, but they, like I say, this just seems to crumble all the time. Yeah, that's not the first time we've mentioned that on the show, I don't think. No, um, but that that safety car was well, that really was what it. changed the race. This the second one. Basically. 
sort of increased the advantages of uh, advantages of those who had who had gone slightly different to the pack uh, in terms of um, tire strategy. But the first one really took up because the safety car came out immediately to pick up Rosberg, um, who didn't have a chance to pit. Yeah. Um, I think Rosberg, and there was maybe two or three others, they just, I think they came round the last bend just as the safety car was coming out to pick them up. So they, they, they went to the bottom of the straight and then were picked up by the safety car. And those who were 15, 20 seconds behind Nico Rosberg hadn't come into the final turn yet, so they thought, fuck, safety car, we can all dive in here. So that included, what, your Danny Ricardos, Fernando, I think. Yep. Um, I assume Lewis, yeah, at that point. So, uh, yeah, it just, it, it just scuppered it for Nico, unfortunately, but that's Formula One, you know, you're going to get that sometimes. Can't really... I don't want to bitch and moan about it too much. That's that's the luck of the draw with the, with the safety car. But uh, it kind of... Williams were the team that kind of went really mad at this point because they stuck them all in the medium tyres, didn't they? Which I don't think anybody expected. And it didn't really work out for them. No. Um, it seemed a strange decision to be given that three stops was always going to be pretty much the preferred strategy. It was almost always... Unless you had a very particular kind of race, it was always going to be the fastest way to get around the track, and pretty much everybody proved it. Um, and the reason I mention it is because Bottas was going, as as has been, we've become accustomed to, brilliantly, best of the rest, and you know you ended up having one of the most anonymous drives after that, and it just seems such a weird call. But Williams have been quick to deny that it was their fault and that it was just a lack of pace but I don't know what would you rather as a, as a PR function what would you rather admit was terrible your strategy or your pace we seem to have said it was the pace that was the problem but. well I think the, the point was it was a silly decision on the basis that at that early stage everybody else was going to be going faster there wasn't that much difference between the tyres so what what advantage could you have that you'll be able to stay out like five laps longer than everybody else, but you've already been doing like half a second slower than them. Yeah, You're so only no, going to go backwards. It's never... So the safety car comes in. Williams have ruined our strategy and have dropped down the down the field. Rosberg's been scuppered by the poor safety car timing, so we were left with what? Who was in front at this point? Who on the safety... I can't even remember. I remember I... Rosberg being in fifth, Vettel being in sixth. And Lewis being in seventh because we had a really good duel there for a bit. So who was leading the race at that point? Was that when Ricardo was in the front? For the first safety car. Um... Such a difficult. <laughs> There's that much going on. It's hard to keep up. Did um... was Lewis not second? I thought it was. I'm sure it was a Merc dabbling with. Oh no, maybe it was Ricardo then. Who was it doubling with the McLarens at yeah. the front? That's what happened. Sorry. We 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 brain fart there, but I've remembered now because you had the McLarens who'd stayed out. That was it. So Ricardo led the race, but then you had Button in second who had stayed out on the on the fast lead. No, Magnuson stayed up, Button came in. No, oh, Button Button the Button stayed out as well. But they both stayed out uh, immediately after uh, it was Ricardo from Button, Massa. I don't think that's the case, mate. 
I've got it in front of me. Laptop. No. <laughs> I'm sure they said that button had stopped. I'm sure I watched button stop. Button was like the first person who could make it into the pits, I thought. Okay, there's a big bit here on lap 14 in capitals. Jensen Button leads the Hungarian Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, I know he led it. Yeah. But I think, I, think, I think that was down to the fact that he pitted first. So he got in and out. No, he, 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 he was led it and then he pitted. He did. <laughs> okay. Yeah, lap 14 he led, lap 16 he pitted. I know. Daniel Ricciardo leads now. Felipe second. Anyway. So yeah, by that point we had, of course, it was Jeff who was uh, being a bit of a blocker. You had uh, Jeff, Rosberg, Vettel and Lewis all kind of dueling. And then, uh, and Jeff, like, it was that point where Nico needed to get past Jeff and just couldn't. Uh, which I wanted to mention just because this is not the first time John Eric Verham's looked, uh, looked quite good in the wet. Seems like the only time he has a good drive is when he's in tricky conditions. I think the Toro so, Rosso has proved itself to be a fairly yeah. handy car in the in the wet for, for whatever reason. I, I'm assuming that they probably strap on as much downforce as possible onto that car most of the time, where it, it probably plays host to a, a ton of technical stuff that, that gets fed back to the other Red Bull team. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, he did a he did a good job. I, like, I, like I say, it just seemed... I don't know if it was almost that... Um, the real problem was is that the cars behind him didn't... The safety car was out for quite a while. And well, because, I, of course, Grosjean fucking crashed under the safety car, yeah. which we forgot to mention. It was the safety car. It was about to come in, and then bloody, of course, Roman Grosjean binned it under the safety car, so stayed out again for another five laps or something because there's a need to get Grosjean's car just as they were about to bring it in. So yeah, it was kind of like a, almost a double safety car, if that's even a thing. Yeah, So and I, and I think what that meant was that certain cars lost so much temperature in their their brakes and, and tyres that it, they didn't get the optimum performance out of them for a very long time. So... Yeah. I think that's what helped in that, that Jeff was able to just, you know, was working the car well and the cars behind him just didn't didn't have the perfect package to be able to do that, like Dan Dare on the brakes, no, ahead, um, which is pretty much the only way to do anything in Hungary. It's, it's not, unless you're wickedly much faster, uh, you know, and on a wet track, you're, you're going to find that difficult. Brando yeah. mentioned it on commentary with uh, Rosberg in particular. It looked like he'd gone for a, a more of a high downforce setup due to the conditions and whatnot. And I put him in front of the, the pack. He, he'll scamper away, but he just couldn't get by anybody on the straight line. And obviously they weren't expecting that to be an issue starting from pole position. But of course, the safety car meant it became an issue. So he got stuck behind Jeff and then behind him was Vettel and Lewis. And it was, there was some good dicey racing in there for a while. It was good stuff to see. Uh, Obviously, I was disappointed that Rosberg had found himself caught up in that, but it was it was good. It was good stuff. And then there was a second safety car, which was Perez. Perez, of course, on the main straight, which, as you rightly pointed out, probably looked more maybe crazier than it was. I mean, who am I? To, I'm not going to tell Perez that it wasn't as bad as it was worse than what he, if he was the one that was in the car. So if he says it wasn't that bad, then fair enough, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> looked, looked pretty bloody scary on screen though, didn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't like to have been in the middle of it, that's for damn sure. Although, 
possibly scarier than most was the guy sitting on the pit wall. <laughs> the other side. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> that was really pretty terrifying. So yeah, Ricardo was in the lead at that point. Massa was still out, and uh, Alonso was in third. And then you had the battle between Jeff and, and Lewis and Vettel and Rosberg further back. So um, yeah, Ricardo pitted, Massa pitted, and that's when Alonso stayed out. So and, Alonso uh, was the only person that tried a two-stop, didn't he, I think, with yeah. any success? He absolutely dragged that thing round towards the end of the race, yeah. So he he stayed out. So he'd built up this sort of gap. And then it was a case of, okay, who can who can put the softs on behind and catch him? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to think. Yes. Yeah, that was yeah. No, you're right, it was the Daniel built himself up by the way he, he got that by staying out and then pitting differently allowed him to then build up the lead he needed to be able to pit again at the end and still yeah. be five with, seconds within enough range to come come through yeah and, and, and use the use the tires yeah because he went past did he go past lewis he went past lewis and alonso didn't he to get to first at the end of the race yeah he did yeah. both of them didn't he yeah yeah he put he, he puts on the um Super soft tire. I think he's probably got not super soft, just ordinary soft. But um, I think he had like ten seconds, so he, or fifteen seconds, something like that. He pits for the new tires, and he's maybe got I don't know ten seconds on to catch on um, yeah. Fernando and Lewis. So he's got these fresh tires on with ten seconds to make up, and about what fifteen laps to go, or something. So really, it was it was the writing was on the wall. You only needed to make up a half a second a lap, and and with those tired. The, the tires that Lewis and uh, Fernando had on by this point, obviously, having chose to stay out, uh, had were they were gone, they, they had no grip whatsoever. So Lewis was trying to get past um, Alonso because he had probably marginally more grip than Fernando, but nothing major. And Alonso was doing that brilliant Alonso thing that he does, where he just parks it on the apex, and like the guy behind has like no chance. Basically, he's got so like. Look, Fernando parks it on the apex and then just manages to get a little bit of traction away and the guy behind has no chance of getting past, especially around Hungary. So Lewis is going mad trying to get past Fernando and then Ricardo just cruises up to the back of them uh, and, you know, that was it, you know, those tyres on, it was never really in doubt. Took a little bit of dice in here and there, they tried to fight him off but Ricardo managed to come through and then that was it. There was, uh, once he was in front, there was never any doubt, never... Uh, any no. question he was going to win the race no he looked very good very good at every stage of the race one of the few drivers that never looked like they were pushing too hard like you said um, at the start making mistakes. Great, great word to use I think he's just so cool just yeah. never you hear his radio messages and he says Daniel we need to do this and he goes okay <laughs> it's just like alright mate I'll fucking get on and do it then you don't have to fucking tell me Brum. right I'm first so, Ricardo wins the race. Alonso drags that um, Ferrari round from lap 39 to lap 70. So it was 31 it was laps very he dragged the Ferrari yeah. round. Hangs on by the skin of his teeth from, to be fair, a, a Lewis Hamilton who had pretty gashed tyres as well. And finally, a Nico Rosberg who was charging. Rosberg was charging for a reason because, and I'm sure this is probably... The, Despite all the drama, this is probably the biggest talking point of the weekend. Mercedes chose two of the safety cars to put Rosberg on the extra stop strategy, which meant he would have fresher tyres at the end, 
but uh, needed track position now to make up time. This is about halfway through the race. So he's coming up behind Lewis Hamilton. Fresher tyres. He knows he's going to stop again. Lewis, can you uh, let Nico go, please? He's got fresher tyres on. He's going to do an extra stop later. We want to make the strategy work. Now, Lewis, of course, as I'm sure anybody who's read anything about Formula 1 over the weekend, chooses to, to not do so. And... Uh, yeah, not, not too happy with Nico Rosberg, multiple times on the radio, can he let me pass, can he let me pass, but, and I'm the Rosberg fan in this situation, you can't have expected Lewis to let him pass at this point, because he just simply wasn't close enough. He couldn't get that car alongside Lewis to let Lewis let him through. And I agree completely with what Martin Brundle said in the commentary box, Lewis would lose two to three seconds if he let him through there, and I'm all for, you know, different strategies, play the game, how you know, your team players and all that. But on this occasion I think Lewis was in the right to to say, no, look, he's not he's not fast enough. It's not like Fernando uh, Felipe Fernando was faster than you. They were going at similar speeds and, and Rosberg wasn't even able to get He wasn't making his Rosberg wasn't making his strategy work. No, he wasn't. As much as I'm a fan, he wasn't. So it's the big talking point. Everybody's got an opinion on it, I think. Should Lewis have let him pass? Should Nico have bothered asking about getting past? Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Well, Nico, Nico, said, one, Nico said afterwards that the team had said that Lewis would let him pass. So I don't know whether he, he ever asked in the first thing. Obviously, the first thing we heard on the radio was him saying, why isn't he letting me pass? But see, I, I, think, I think Lewis was right. You know, if he'd cruised up behind him and was, you know, three, three or four tenths off of him, then yeah, then you can afford to, you know, lose a couple of tenths on a lap to, you know, allow him to go by. But if he's hanging around a second behind you, you can't slow down that much. I agree, I agree. Um, and I don't, you know, some people might say, well, oh, that's Nico being coy, hoping that he cost Lewis time. But but realistically, Felipe Massa was so far behind him, there was just no, do you know what I mean? <laughs> He'd have had to force Lewis to drop like 30 seconds for that to have... <laughs> even been something else and all for the sake of dropping like two points um it was just it was just unlucky i think the thing was i think it was a bit like um the massa bottas call right at the start of the season where bottas caught up to massa very quickly because he was on a contra strategy but didn't get close enough for it to be you know easy for massa to just drop out the way and let him go past so you know and and very much like sebastian vettel's what you know what tires is he on tough luck you know if you're racing around the same positions um and do not mean there's no clear difference between the strategy you're on and the strategy somebody else is on and whilst there may have been a difference in strategy it wasn't playing out time wise you know nico's tires were so crap by the time he caught up with with lewis that they didn't have the advantage over the medium tires um at that point so no. What else can you do but drive your race and try and score your points and go, you know, if I if I can let him pass, I will. But he's got to, you know, he's got to do what he needs to do. And I, you know, I think I think I don't think anybody has ever. I don't think anybody in the Mercedes team has actually come out and said that's wrong. I think they've all just gone. We looked at it. We assumed that Nico would be much faster at that point, and so we asked Lewis to move over. It then turned out that Nico wasn't, so we stopped asking. Yeah. No, and I don't know what, I don't what else you can do, really. You've got to try and make some kind of decisions, haven't you? Otherwise, it just gets all of, it all gets really messy. Do you know what I mean? If they think that Nico's going to cruise up to Lewis um, 
And if they don't tell Lewis that he's on a completely different strategy, there's going to be argy-bargy and the cars are going to be in danger of neither of them finishing. You've got to do something and say, you know, he's on a different strategy. We think it's best that he goes through. And then you can understand it. But it just it just so happened that they made the call a little bit too early. And mm -hmm. and that's all it that's comes true. down to. Not, yep. that, not that, of course, that you can tell half of the fucking F1 world that that is the case. <laughs> I was wondering at what point the Lewis Hamilton rabid fanboyism was going to come into it from... It's almost you, as bad I know as... you love. I know you love winding them up. <laughs> it, it is true. It's such an easy group of people to wind up at, at, at any point. But to be honest with you, the, the fucking Nico Rosberg fans were almost as bad. They are getting this that week. way a little bit. Every time They're Lewis doesn't do something, it's, it's less annoying because Nico's clearly the heel in this situation. So he just put down his good heel work when he when he bitches and moans. <laughs> but no, um. He cruised up to the back of him, but like you said, he got to that one second range, he just could not get past. And to be honest, to be fair to Lewis, you know, Lewis is using his brain here, he's thinking, this is for my championship. If I let him by, he's more or less guaranteed to finish ahead of me, especially if Lewis is dropping a second to two seconds just to let him by alone before you even think of anything else. So Lewis is like, no, we're fighting for the championship. I won't hold him up, but there's a difference between holding him up and letting him by and if he if he got close enough where he was holding him up he'd have let him go he didn't and it didn't so obviously nico had to had to think again because at this point his strategy is getting murdered <laughs> so they pit him again with about 15 laps to go that was the problem wasn't it is that i think they took when they long. realized what they yeah they just needed to have made that call in the same way they, they gave you know rebel gave ricardo plenty of time to make up the time and yeah. go ahead I think as soon as they saw that he was... I think the first time that they realised that Rosberg wasn't getting past Lewis, they needed to have just done it. Yeah, And I gone, agree. right, fuck it. Give him the maximum amount of time to catch up and pass because he's got... You know, if you really want him to do well, he's got to pass Lewis and Alonso, neither of which is going to be simple. Um, Especially knowing that the two cars in front, Lewis and Alonso, were going to the end. So you can, you can afford to be a bit bold on the tires on on like because even if the tires are starting to go off if you've pitted them quite early they're still going to be infinitely better condition than lewis and fernando's tires who are who were well and truly gone so yeah they pitted them with 15 laps to go if they pitted them with say 18 laps to go the the tire the extra that three lap extra wear on nico's tires would have been very insignificant in comparison to um lewis and alonso's tires who were shot to bits and it would have given them three extra laps to, to attack. Yep. Um, I remember I was watching, I said, I was sitting myself going, this, he needs to pit now, he needs to pit now. And when he came in with 15 laps ago, I thought, I'd have done that three or four laps earlier, I don't know if he's going to have yeah. enough time. And That's what I think it was. it was proved right. If he'd yep. given two more, two to three more laps, he probably would have finished second. So... He'd have certainly had a damn greater he, chance he, of doing yeah, it he than had, he did yeah, by... He, just, he caught Lewis... At the end, he didn't he was, catch him and then have time to, t to attack him. He, he was something him. like a ridiculous, like four seconds quicker yeah. than everybody else. But the point is, is that if you're fucking driving your bollocks off to get that four seconds, you're actually doing more damage to your tyres than if you said to him, yeah. "We'll give you another three laps, but you only have to do three seconds a lap to, to you know, to make it up." You actually have better tyres by the time you get there, rather than like. You I know. would have pitted him if I was a strategy guy. I would have pitted him. Where... I don't think I'd have matched what Daniel Ricciardo did at this point. I think I'd have just gone. 
we're not in the same race as Lewis or Alonso. They look like you know they're going to two stop. Who is the other person that is not is not following this trend? And you know it was Daniel Ricciardo. So yeah. let's try and cover him off and and follow what he does. And but... if they'd done that, they probably would have got second. And you could say, oh well, we got second. We got the the, the safety cars. I'd given Ricardo a chance to win, and he did well, and he won. Fair enough. We can move on happy, but they won't be they won't be happy about getting beat by Alonso, who dragged an Alien Ferrari to second. Like that wasn't good enough. They should have been able to, even with the problems, even with the safety cars and that, they should have been able to get Nico ahead of the Ferrari. Yeah. And uh, and they didn't because, of course, of him losing time behind Hamilton, and because of the strategy. But the two things came hand in hand. He was. He didn't have enough time at the end because he was losing. To, he was spent too long behind Hamilton. He needed to he just needed to make that call quicker. Yep. A bit disappointed in that respect, but you know what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I think I think that's what it comes down to. If you ever said, you just got to go. Well, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't do well. Let's try and remember that for next time. So that was it. He, he, he couldn't get by. He got, he, like you said, he was four seconds, three and a half seconds a lap faster. Drove straight up to the back of him in absolutely no time. Martin Brundle wetting himself on commentary, being like, he's going to catch them, he's going to catch them. But, um, yeah, he, he just didn't, he caught them with, on the last lap, basically, and he had no chance to attack them, so he finished he had, four. He had one go, it. didn't he, at Lewis, and that was yeah. it. And Lewis defended it, and then Lewis was, was like, it. right, well, this is not going to happen. So, right from Ricardo. Brilliant and, drive from Fernando, brilliant drive from Lewis. All yep. three of the top, top, that was the top three. The funniest thing about Lewis, which we didn't mention, was he fucking was nearly in the wall on the opening lap. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, as soon as I seen it, like I said to you at the start, you know, my, changing my emotions from the first lap to the last lap. My first lap, I was like, yes, Lewis is out, he's in the wall, this is something he said Nick was going to win. By the end of it, I was sitting there going, is Lewis honestly gained points on Nico? How does that happen? Like, the turnaround was unbelievable. It was one of those races where, like, some like after, if you'd put a pound on Lewis finishing ahead of Nico after yeah. the first lap, you probably would have got the greatest odds in the world. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Another driver that sort of benefited from the sort of like I say the 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 nature of the race being so uh, sort of back and forth um, was Felipe Massa, who was had not had a great weekend really. All round, had been soundly beaten by Bottas, pretty much I back and great, forth. Had a great few weeks, really, has it? No, um, and so I, I think managing to, to to get fifth out of out of that, um, you know, he his race was won certainly in terms of compared to his um, teammate because he was second into the pits, and they they thought they put Bottas on the optimum strategy, and so they they split the strategy and put, you know, yeah. Um, Put, put Master on the other way around, and as it turned out, it was actually the you know, you were actually slightly better off with a three stop than you were with a two, unless you happened to have lucked out in the first round of pit stops in the first place. I worry for Master a little bit at the moment. He's getting schooled by Bottas, the young, the young hotshot, and Master needs to, he needs to show why he's the, he's the man with 12 Grand Prix wins and 150, 200 races, whatever it is. He's, he's getting, I mean, this weekend he beat Bottas by a few positions, like you say, because of a bit of fortune with the strategy and the weather and that. But in general, in qualifying particularly, but also in the race, Bottas has given him a bit of a hammer in them over the summer, these last few races. So I worry about him because if Massa doesn't show what he's capable of, what we've seen in the past from him, Bottas has shown that he's more than capable of leading that team. So they could, they could easily tough Massa out. 
and I don't think we'll tough him out anytime soon. Just let me put that in there. But he just needs to start showing a bit more for me. And as we discussed previously, like a little bit less whining and a little bit more speed. Hmm. Uh, one of the reasons he finished in fifth though was because of another man who had a bit of a, a bit of a scary afternoon was uh, Sebastian Vettel. Then on the um, then not the first one to bin it on the pit straight was Sergio Perez, was he? It's both of them only somehow Vettel managed to keep it out of the wall. Are we? So we if we jump from fifth to seventh? Oh, oh yeah, sorry, I totally have. <laughs> yeah, you really don't like Kimi fucking Raikkonen, <laughs> do you? That was a total coincidence. That it's two times in the one show that I've completely forgot about. <laughs> I think that says everything that needs to be said, quite frankly, about Kimi Raikkonen's season. <laughs> completely and utterly forgettable. Uh, yeah, sorry. The final lap podcast Ferrari fan, ladies and gentlemen. Doesn't remember yeah. the second driver. <laughs> been that way for about 15 years <laughs> that's probably true uh, no yeah sorry yes apologies to Kimmy if he's out there listening enjoying a magnum uh, of champagne probably or, vod- <laughs> or vodka more likely I vo- champagne because sixth is his best result of the fucking season that's why <laughs> <laughs> sixth place behind Felipe Massa behind the team uh, behind the uh, the driver that he turfed out uh, was of course as we mentioned Kimi Raikkonen not quite sure how he got there, truthfully. Didn't see that much of him. Uh, no, he he because he didn't. There was no point in the race where they sort of showed him really climbing works. I just think, you know, from where he was, he was just able to take advantage of the best times to to pit and change tires and stuff. And yeah, so, he just, whilst he just did his thing, didn't he? Yeah. Whilst everybody else that. who looked who was ahead of him, you know, was dicing with strategy, he was able to be slightly calmer, you know, sort of kind of come come in second and and make more informed choices based on what other people were doing and then the and and yeah he just sort of didn't he wound his way up each time higher and higher up the thing so from Benefiting 18th from like, to 6th that's a you know especially in that race it's an amazing you know second only to lewis benefiting from you know the force india's not finishing and, and vettel which will come to in his spin and and the mclaren's uh curious tire decision so he got a bit of donald luck and you know um he uh donald luck I meant to say Donald Duck there and fucked up. <laughs> Donald Duck. <laughs> Non-rhyming Sta- slang. Sta- Sta- just the just... rhyming slang and then just stopped halfway through. Just the actual word. Um... Oh, fluffy through this up there. <laughs> Call yeah. Brian McGovern, I'm going up the apple and stairs. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> he managed to finish sixth, which that's what I was going to say. Just, as you said, by getting getting things done, just solidly going about his business, which has kind of been the opposite of what he's been doing all season. <laughs> yes. All season he's been getting involved in scraps and getting getting in the chaos, and he's just avoided it today some, somehow. The race where it has been the most chaos of the season, Kimi's managed to avoid it. So, yeah, fair enough. Good result, actually, to be honest. From Like you said, from 18th on the grid. We uh, spoke about his qualifying performance, or lack, lack thereof, due to the team's decision. So, yeah, can't argue with that. Good good result for from, from there. Yep. Uh, then, as you say, Sebastian Vettel, who... Um, I, you know, I don't know where he would have come in the in the reckoning had he not um, decided that um, it'd been such a long time since he'd won a race. He decided he really wanted to do a donut on the home straight. <laughs> I think he probably would have been fifth. I don't think he'd have beaten the Mercedes. Yeah, I think he'd have been dicing with Felipe. Really, um, I think he would have been ahead of Felipe. You think? I think he would have been. Five ten seconds behind the Mercedes, but five ten seconds ahead of Massa. Yeah, I think it could have been. Yeah. Anyway, ifs, buts, and all that. We'll never know. But yeah, what? 
No, Perez, it's like anything Perez can do, Vettel can do better. He's like, bitch, please, I won't hit the wall. <laughs> Spins it in the last corner, 360 degrees, and like, barely lost in. I know he did, look, he lost time, obviously, but like, just kept going, like, spun perfectly in 360 degrees and right back on his way again. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was, um, I think, the luckiest thing I've pretty much ever seen in Formula One of somebody lose it so spectacularly and nothing happened to them i think the only time that i've seen that like more surprisingly that nothing happened was um do you remember a couple of years ago it was wet at silverstone and felipe massa like spun the ferrari about four times on one lap like yeah literally one of those was a double like yeah I remember. 360 spin and he ended up back on the straight facing in the right direction you were yep. just like oh you lucky bastard <laughs> that was through the dark felipe days yeah i remember <laughs> remember it vaguely yeah no it was amazing uh i don't know how he managed to carry on like i don't know how he the, managed those to tires must have been fucking awful well that's the thing they didn't really mention in the commentary but he definitely pitted the next lap he definitely did because i noticed it he was like i'm i'm 100 sure he pitted just a lap or two after that because he was due to pit anyway but i think then, i think if you flat spot all four of your tires yeah. then he definitely pitted. He kind of did the Rosberg a wee bit. I think that, that was the thing. He ended up doing what what yeah. Nico did, and that turned out not to be the best so, strategy. So he was un he was unlucky. Although you you know if you say that, but they pitted him with enough time that he managed to get back past the likes of Bottas and Vern. I, I think yes. he spins it. He spun it and pitted. And I remember he came out in about eleventh. He had the fresh tires on, like fifteen laps to go, eleventh place, and he put it up to seventh. He got few, past a few people with the quicker, yeah. the quicker tires, and that was it. And you know, had he not done the spin, he probably would have been a couple of positions further up. Probably, like we said, Dyson Mamasa fifth. But from <laughs> at that point, when he's going backwards down the home straight, I think he would have took seventh. He'd have taken anything. Yeah, <laughs> I think he'd have taken a clean pair of underwear, almost certainly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and the poor guys on that pit wall again. You know, must have been, oh, some, some. I mean. There was Sutil. That's three of them, isn't it? Yeah, really, isn't Sutil it? parked it in Hockenheim in the middle of the pit straight, and now there's the two. Here. Well, if you think about it, there's um, Perez, Grosjean technically, because yeah, he, he twatted into the second wall, and then Vettel shaving it with the back of his car. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's um, let's knock out the rest of these drivers because we spent quite a lot, uh, quite a lot of time in the top seven, who were probably the only ones worth talking about. Um, Valtteri Bottas. Um, Unfortunately, just not really a, worth talking about, is it? Yeah, it's just a poor race. Yeah. Um, in the end, poor strategy, medium tyre ended up in the middle of the race when I think the track was probably at its worst, being the worst tyre to be on um, by quite a long way. Um, and that, that was the end of his race, really. He, was, he just went backwards, and then by the time he got any decent rubber under him, it was it was all too late. Um, Jean-Eric Verne, I suppose, has got to be quite happy about scoring a couple of points for Toro Russell after really being made to look quite crap by his, his teammate. Although... Um, they were looking at some of the half-time report, half-turn reports. It doesn't look like he's done worse than Daddy, particularly. I think I think he's finished one place higher than than him, like his best finish, um, and has finished higher than him by a place in qualifying. But it just seems to me that Danny Kvyat has done more of it. So um, yeah, and and it just looks quick. <laughs> if, yes. that, if that means anything, like he just you just you look at if you, you watch him and go yeah this guy looks quick and Vern's just like this guy looks average and like you say the stats actually show that Vern's doing a, a decent ish job but you just don't get that feeling with him no. that that he's ever going to 
B something, what does you do with Fiat? And you have to argue as well that, you know, Fiat's, what, 10 races into his F1 career? <laughs> yes. And is more or less matching the man with three years under his belt. So hypothetically, surely given a season or two, Fiat should be better. Mm. In theory. And I think he will be. I think I don't think we'd, anybody would argue. He looks he looks legit. And even and Brundle again said that on commentary. He was he was he said what I'd been saying for a couple of weeks. He said, "Oh, this this, this guy is looking really really good." So yeah, good race for Verno. I like take nothing away from him. Uh, he's quick in the, those conditions. Not the first time. And the Toro Russell looks pretty decent. Got a bit of luck with the safety car and that, and, and put it in ninth. So good race. Yeah. Not good race for uh, Jensen Button. Um, you know, the car's, car's not great and you're going to compound that by making poor choices on the pit wall. It's uh, it's going to cost you. So from, you know, a riding high, you know, at different points, you know, we ended up fifth, you know, at the end of the racing bit of the, you know, the start, um, ended up first after the thing. And yeah, just, it's not good enough. Um, whether they'll do anything more to the car this season to radically improve performances i don't know it's not as bad as last year i think um, i don't think it is either but it's still pretty bad isn't but it? it isn't good it isn't good and this was a bad race for mclaren pretty much all round um so there you go that was that's it there's no real point in in laboring on about that um something that might be worth just well it's certainly worth mentioning it is um, Adrian Suttle becoming within pretty much a second of scoring Sapper's first points of the season, <laughs> which has got to be so depressing for them. But um, for once, a, a decent drive from uh, our Adrian. To yeah, uh, we have been critical of him in the past, so yeah, not a bad effort. Credit where credit's due. Kevin Magnussen, um, pff, do you know what I mean? Utterly screwed. Um, you know, he made a, made a mistake in quality and that killed his race. And then again, doubly compounded by the fact that if you're going to make a bad call, it hurts you even worse when, you know, you were already so far back. It might have um, been worth splitting the strategy of the McLaren, surely, if they're oh, going to make that risk. I don't know. You've got one, uh, you got... I think uh, the thing was... doing okay, so you keep button with the, with the lead drivers and, and see what he can do. And then Magnussen, who's coming through the field and, and trying to make up ground, take a bit of a punt with him, no? Uh, that, I don't know. I just think, I just get the feeling that he probably wouldn't have done much better. He'd have just been, or he'd have been on the slicks, but but stuck behind everybody else again. Do you know what I mean? He he'd have he'd have not been better off. Where it, just you then, know, then at least no it, pace even on the slicks. Well, essentially, yeah. you know, essentially he jumped right from the back right to fifth place. You know, had that strategy come off, I think when you look at both of those options, it was probably like, well, fuck it. If we're going to go for the gamble, it's a great gamble for both of them. Um, and you know, like I say, didn't didn't pay off. Yeah. Uh, 12th, there you go. Uh, Pastor Maldonado, who was not somebody that we talked about in quality, who also managed to fucking bin his car um, on his first yeah, lapping. I missed that bit because I, I was at Greg's. <laughs> yeah, um, I came in and just seen the lotus in the wall. I, I, that, that was literally the point where I opened the front door and, and turned on the telly and I was like, oh, okay, of course. <laughs> Shouldn't have asked. Danny uh, Kivet, a lap down. I don't remember what happened to him this race. Did did he spin off at some point? I think so. Did he twat somebody in spin off? There was that much going on. kind of don't remember. I think he did possibly get in. I might just be making this up. I might just be 
assuming this because of, you know, it goes by a reputation, but did he get into bother with Maldonado? <laughs> oh, it's a good call. I mean, there's, what, a 50-50 chance that he did, yeah. <laughs> given Maldonado's... Pretty uh, much. Uh, maybe. I can't, I can't remember off the top of oh, my no, head. Oh, he, no, he... Well, he stalled on the grid. Oh, yes! So he he was the third person from the pit stops. Yeah. Uh, okay. So he stalls it on the grid, and then that's about it. Just he doesn't... Just doesn't did nothing, race. yeah. Uh, Jules Bianchi and Max Chilton in 15th, 16th. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about our dunfs. Our dunfs. Um, the two major ones were the two Force Indias. Obviously, Hulkenberg, well, not... Um, what were you gonna? Hulk, well, let, let, let's take it. You from, wanna go in order, right? Okay. We'll, we'll do we'll do first first the last in, in terms of who did the least number of laps. So Marcus Ericsson, um, I think something broke on the car. I think did he say something like his brakes went or something like that? That seems um, to be a recurring theme, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, Roman Grosjean binned it under the safety car. And there's nothing funnier than bending it under the safety car. Is <laughs> not really hitting the safety so. car. Possibly is the only thing he could do, do that's slightly more amusing. Love people who crash under the safety car or yeah. crash on the formation lap. Those are the two funniest yes. things. Yes, formation yeah. lap crashing is the best. You did not even get a chance to start the race because <laughs> you were such a dick. Um, Nico Hockenberg, oh dear, yeah, crashes into his own fucking teammate and. Just, just because, uh, of course, that's the first race of the season he's not scored points after me begging him up last show. Yes. Say, oh, well done, he's scored points in every race. Kalkenberg's doing really well. And then right away, commentator scars and all of that. Bang. There's an awful race, awful everything. Compounds it by hitting his teammate. There's 20 other cars you could have hit out there, Hockenberg, and you had to hit Perez. <laughs> just one of those weekends for the Force India team. Indeed, uh, and that seemed to inspire Sergio Perez to bin his car into the wall to call up the second safety car, or the third safety car, depending on whether you want to say that Roman Grosjean got his own one or not. <laughs> we'll give him that, he's not got anything else this season. Uh, Kamui Kash Kobayashi broke down a couple of laps later, uh, compounding a really terrible fucking weekend for catering. Um, terrible five years. <sighs> well, do you know what I mean? You've got Christian Albers sat on the uh, pit wall. I I don't know what that's supposed to inspire in anybody other than mediocrity at its best. Uh, and Gutierrez, did I he... I have no idea what happened to Gutierrez, no. truthfully. No, I, think... I assume it Oh, was no, like... he retired. He yeah, definitely he I saw. I saw him go into the pits. Um, yeah. To retire the server, not a sight that we've ever seen before. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Um, well, that, that's the race. I think this is going to be a good one, actually. Who is your star of the race, driver of the day? It's one of those ones where it's like, who do you get? <laughs> it's to? one of those ones. Yes, it always is, Sean. <laughs> it's always one of those ones on the grid and stuff. <laughs> With wheels. Yes. <laughs> it got past the I mean, line at the end. Ricardo Alonso Lewis, which one do you want? You can pick any three of them. <sighs> Bearing in mind that last Did week... I give, I've... It to Lewis? I give it to Lewis last week, didn't I? Uh, I think taking he did, it, yes. We're taking it from 18th to 3rd. However. And, and essentially, if you don't give him to him this week for, for him taking it from, like, essentially 22nd to... Yeah. To 3rd, you're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show some logic to the madness here. Okay. Last weekend, you just it, it, it was all on him, really. You couldn't argue with that. Whereas uh, this week... You know, the safety car, the weather, 
clearly played a part, you know, the, mm-hmm. the strategy of those things. Like, it still could have easily gone the other way of just timing safety cars, things like that. He, he lucked in a wee bit to come in seventh after the first safety car behind, like, Rosberg and Vettel. So, take nothing away from him. It was a stellar drive, and he's, he's my third choice for driver of the day. But, um, yeah, he... he I think last week was a better Lewis Hamilton drive, I guess is my overall point. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so who is your pick then? Well, it's between the top two, and <laughs> as much as Alonso did a fantastic job dragging that fire around, it's, it's got to be Danny Ricciardo, isn't it? Uh, he made the strategy that he was presented with work. Uh, he Not only did he go quick when he needed to on the certain right tyres and stuff, he... he Good effort by the team, bringing them in when they did. And then, to top it all off, obviously I had quicker tyres, but at the same time, Hungary is a difficult place to pass. And he pulled off a couple of excellent overtaking manoeuvres uh, on, on, on two of the most, probably the most difficult guys to pass in Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso. Even when they're struggling on tyres, they'll just park that car in the middle of the road. and not. If, if you've got two guys who you want to have crap tyres on the car, um, defend them for your life, probably they're the two. So... Ricardo got past them and, you know, he won the race, second win of the season, comprehensively outdoing Sebastian Vettel in the World Championship. Gotta give it to him. Hmm, interesting. Well, since clearly whoever I pick as driver of the day from the previous race goes on to win the next <laughs> race. <laughs> <Jesse> Button. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it. Max Chilton, please get a... <laughs> If Max Chilton wins the next fucking race, right, I called it. Max Chilton wins the next race. I will. I don't know. Be very careful here. What, what, what Be is very, the, very. What is the most Olivier Panis won the Monaco Grand Prix in Elysee. Let's not. <laughs> let's not get crazy. Even still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. No. Okay. Who are you going for? Uh, for uh, to be fair, no, I'm going to go for Daniel Ricciardo. It's um. It's a slam dunk. Full house. Yeah. yeah. There's just no. I just you can't you can't really say anybody else deserves it more. Hey, it was a hard race for anybody to call. Um, he didn't necessarily just get the best strategy. He made it work, and he just he just did everything right. And when somebody does everything right, you can they can only be the people to be given driver of the day. That's true. Yeah, he did everything right. Massive. He did. Uh, uh, he had. The, the best tyres at the best time, but t- that, that doesn't matter. He still had to drive the car to the pace that it was required. He still had to make the moves and stuff. He'd, everything that was presented with him, he did. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, drive from Alonso, though, just briefly. Well, yes, I'm absolutely. pleased with that Ferrari performance. Just <clears throat> yeah, you can't. After the stick of, of this season that's been coming. Like, I, I kind of wanted Alonso to. The hang on, but at the same time, I was thinking, oh, if Ricardo wins, fair enough. As long as Lewis didn't win, which he didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, I'm bracing myself for this. Uh, retard of the race. Mm, the McLaren strategy team. I'm unfortunately going to have to pretty much agree with you on that one. Um, uh. And, uh, of course, Roman Grosjean for Crash <laughs> Probably a joint award, though. Yes. I can't really think much more than that, really. No, no, there weren't there weren't too many honourable honourable poor decision making mentions to Williams for their seemingly poor strategy. 
And uh, Nico Hulkenberg for deciding that the best way yeah, to slide on your car is to, is to bin it into your so, teammate. You just have a crap, crap weekend, but <laughs> the king of the poor decisions was probably the McLaren. It could have been so good, but it would have been hailing their brilliance yes. if it rained again. That's the thing. Such a fine margin. They've gone from hero of the race to absolute retard of the race in uh, one fell swoop. Yes. Very much so. <clears throat> so moving on, it's time for the Formula One news. The Final Lap Podcast. News. So probably the uh, most interesting thing that I've seen coming out uh, in the Formula One news this week is from the Scuderia uh, Ferrari um, saying that Pat Fry hasn't been sacked at all. I hadn't been really paying much attention. So when I read that story, I went, I never thought he was sacked. (laughs) No. It was like a bit like, I don't know. Yeah, a football team coming in and go, we're not sacking, Ashley coming in, we're not sacking Wenger, and it really going, who, who said you were? <laughs> it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, maybe that's my fault for not reading the reports or whatever, but I didn't, I didn't, when I read that story, I didn't know, didn't know anything about it, so, fair enough, he's not sacked. <laughs> Good, I think. It, it is. Well, I, mean, I don't know actually. Don't know. I mean, that, and that's kind of the weird thing, really. Like, Pat Fry's been at Ferrari for ages now. But, you know, you could have said the same thing about Stefano Domenicali up until they fired him this season. So, you know, why not Fry? I don't like to see anything done mid season. It's like what we were talking about with the technical regs last week. Same to me, the same sort of principle applies. Don't. Like, yeah, you're having a bad season, but, you know, deal with that kind of thing over the winter, I prefer. It's fresh start and all of that. Uh, I mean, I, I can see the argument for getting rid of them now and, you know, oh, we'll put someone in place now, and in theory, by the time the winter comes, everything will be bang in place to go and hit the ground running, but... Well, does it, if, if it turns I'm, out I'm, to be true, does that not really rather make you think Ferrari have given up on this season? I mean, I, they're I, I already so prepared anyway. to get an, a, a new head of engineering in um, to oversee next year's car. So fuck Pat Fry now; it doesn't matter because he's not. You know, we're not working on this car. We'd rather have somebody new in, improving, giving us a better car next year. I think they have given up anyway. Well, Even if they didn't do anything with regards to their hierarchy, I think. I think um, it's pretty clear they're not going to finish ahead of either Mercedes. They're probably not going to finish ahead of... Because Raikkonen hasn't scored any points, they can't even challenge Red Bull for second, really. So, the Ferrari really care about putting energy into developing a car to secure third in the championship. I don't don't think they're that bothered. I think they put more effort into next year's car. Well, I mean, I I don't disagree um, in the same way that I think, you know, the McLaren team are only bringing stuff that they feel is relevant to the, the car next year. I doubt yeah. that they're bringing, you know, they won't do any major changes to the chassis or anything like that, which then pretty much limits the amount of time that they can possibly gain. Do you know what I mean? It's only aero that they can bring to the front of the car and see how that sticks. So, uh, yeah, 
an odd, an odd one in that, yes, you're right, it seems to be denying something that nobody was really saying, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, another story that popped up. Vettel linked with uh, Mercedes. Yeah, Nicky that was, Lauda, again... Lauda has denied, again, that's similar to the driver, isn't it? He's denying something that no one's really... And that was the funniest <laughs> thing, because it, it seemed to be one of those things that Vettel had been asked about would he join Mercedes, and he said, well... You know, obviously, I'd listen to any offers, which is the standard boilerplate response you say to any journalist when somebody says, you know, oh, you've got a year left in your contract. What if Mercedes came to you? You'd say, well, yes, I'd listen to them. Of course you would. You'd listen to any team. You'd listen to Marussia if they turned around and said, we'll pay you $50 billion a year to drive for our team. You'd probably <laughs> look at it and go, well, I've won four, top, four, four world championships. Fuck it. I'll drive for Marussia at the back of the grid for $50 billion. There, there's always a reason to listen to somebody. <laughs> so you're not saying anything. And then that seems to have somebody's gone, ah, well, Sebastian Vettel said, you know, that he'd listen to if you came to him. And then Lauda seems to have got his niggas into it and said, wow, we have not gone. We have not spoken to Sebastian. Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate, to be honest. <laughs> sounds like something Nicky would do. People should stop asking Nicky Lauda questions. <laughs> it's not healthy. I don't think it's good for Nicky Lauda. He just it's gets really fucking annoyed involved. at it's any good. question that's asked to him. It's not um, good for the journalist. <laughs> well, it's not good for the answer that they get, that's for sure. There's never an answer that, that half the time they can put in print because he usually swears in half of them. <laughs> he usually says whatever he's been asked, it's bullshit. Is just not even That's bullshit, yeah. <laughs> That's classic line, isn't it? What did you think of your uh, grandson's christening? It was bullshit! <laughs> but well, I had a really good time. <laughs> but it was bullshit. <laughs> Everything is bullshit. And another story. Well, is it a story or is it just someone saying something? I don't know. Ricardo has... Um, said that he hasn't given up hope because of uh, double points at the end of the season, the rather controversial double points system that we're now going to have to deal with. He says that whilst he uh, understands Mercedes are way ahead, if he can keep performing well towards the end of the season, he'd never know he might have a chance going into the final race. Do so... you remember when Alonso said that? When he was like halfway behind in the in the championship and everybody was writing him off and he said, I, you know, I think I can still win this. And, it, and do you know what I mean? He came within that whisker yeah. of winning. And like, there's just a bit of me just thinking, well, do you know what I mean? You never know. <laughs> it, it could just be one of those things, isn't it? What, you know, if the next few races in Europe aren't good weather and aren't great for the Mercs, you then head into the back end of the season, which is either new tracks or tilt-designed tracks, which are naturally better for the Rebels. It's just not, you know, again, a couple of DNFs, the Mercs take each other out in a couple of races. It could. It could well, happen. The it's... problem is, like, if Merck have a bad weekend, usually at least one of their drivers will still be there. Like, Lewis is having a problem, or Nico's having a problem. I think they've actually been, in a way, that's been lucky for them, in that yeah, the, the, the swapping the points have, have come yeah. because of so not things like that Ricardo, is direct racing. But so, Someone went to Ricardo to come from a fair bit back, and string a few results together and challenge he needs both of them to fail because if Ricardo won every race this season and Mercedes alternated second place it would I mean he'd probably, would probably go in front but you know that's the most extreme example the point, of the, the point is he needs them basically to take each other out or for them both to DNF to have any chance like if, if one, only one of them failing to finish isn't really enough he's got two guys he needs to get ahead not just one guy 
if it was just one guy, if it was just say Alonso chasing down Vettel like in the past, a couple of bad results for Vettel, Alonso's right mm. there. But Ricardo's got two of them that needs to fail. So yeah, it's, it's highly unlikely. But I, you know, fair fair play to the guy for just being like, yeah, you know what? Why not? I can still do this. Let's give it a go. I can't so, lie. It would be it would be massively rewarding. I think to see everybody write off the drivers' championship as being one of the Merc drivers just for. Daniel Ricciardo in his first full season is in a rebel thing to just come and steal it off them in the last race. It would be bullshit, especially if it's the double points that is the, the clincher, but there's something unforgettable about that. But can you imagine thing. Christian Horner's face if oh, they well. won a fifth consecutive that's, driver's That's the thing, and I'd have to listen to fucking Helmut Marco say stuff on the five, TV. I can't, I'm just not having Red Bull win five consecutive Kill titles. Me. It is not acceptable. No. Nope. <laughs> Well, they won't win the constructors at least, but they're <laughs> not winning any of them. Let's make that clear yeah, right away. <laughs> absolutely. Um, one other thing that's come up in the news, and we almost kind of forgot to mention it because it happened kind of in between the, the recording of the last show and the, the the weekend. We have a new European Grand Prix. Oh yes, in yeah. Azerbaijan. <laughs> the fuck. I know. It's one of those ones where it's like just the fuck. Sigh. Azerbaijan, that, that fucking hallowed turf of motor racing <laughs> where the legends have been fucking born in the white hot crucible of motorsport that is fucking Baku, fuck off. No, I agree. It's entirely 100% money motivated by Bernie. Why does he do it? Why does he do it when he knows it pisses people off and puts people off? I don't get it. It, I don't understand that as much as he's getting paid, At what it's, point bad for, it's bad for the fucking sport to have bullshit races on the sure, calendar. Like Bernie, there surely must come a point for Bernie Eccleston where he's got so much money that it's no longer worth it. <laughs> there is no understand. other point. <laughs> he cannot. Wait, he's, his Scrooge between... McDuck vault is so full he can't even dive into it and swim anymore. The trade off, like, is the extra gained money for him is surely so insignificant in regards to the rest of his already gained money <laughs> that, the, that the backlash is surely not worth it. And he's not going to need it in prison. <laughs> well, that's he's partly cut a deal. I suppose that leads us into one final bit of news. Did you not? Oh, he's I didn't hear this. Deal. I'm Is sure he? I read today that he... Yeah. Eccleston to settle bribery case. It was uh, just came out today at four o'clock so this afternoon. How do so, you settle a bribery case, but with more well, bribes? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, yes. <laughs> you could. How do you? How do you? You trump a bribe with an even bigger this, uh, bribe. This is only. Um, uh, it was only uploaded to BBC News at uh, four o'clock today, being uh, that'd be why I missed it, the twenty ninth. So that's only eight hours ago. So that's as close to breaking news as you get on this show. Lawyers for Bernie Eccleston say the Formula One boss is ready to pay a German bank 25 million euros to settle a court case against him. Which he found down the back of his sofa. <laughs> the eight, that's the Azerbaijan money. That's exactly, that's exactly that's it. Azerbaijan have signed. With you pay me 25 fucking million pounds and I'll have this race wherever the fuck you like it. That's North Pole, not a fucking problem. To the back. That's it, Azerbaijan have signed a deal, we can settle the case now. <laughs> the 83 year old went on trial in Munich in April, charged with bribery. He was accused of paying a German banker 33 million euros to ensure a company he favoured by state. Yeah, yeah, we know that. We know all of that. Yeah. 
if found guilty, he could face jail, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that's pretty much all it says, is that he's reached a deal to pay them uh, 25 million euros, which sounds suspiciously like, <laughs> like a, a bribe. bribe to settle <laughs> a bribe. <laughs> How much money do I have to pay you to make this go away? Is that not what you just did in the first place? <laughs> it's just madness. I'll be six months later to go Eccleston on double bribe charge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Pay a bribe to settle a bribe. Yeah. No, I mean, you can How many drugs uh, do I have to save to get off of this fucking possession charge? I don't... What the fuck? You couldn't make it up, but... I, I mean, it's, the whole thing's going to have cost him 60 million euros, pretty much. Because he paid that 33 million in the first fucking bribe. <laughs> and now he's paid... Now he's paying this extra 25, so I hope he's gotten value for his 60 million euros. That's all yeah. I can say. Well, I'm assuming Russia, Mexico, and Azerbaijan fucking Jan have, have lined his pockets well enough to make that not not to matter so there's much. A lot of, there's a lot of calls for Russia to to not get certain sporting events such as the World Cup in 2018 at the moment because of uh. you know, the situation. Oh, that was going there, so. actually that was something I was going to mention. Did you see Christian Horner's? Um, press conference uh post race pre-race pre-race no. um it was on the friday i think that it was the team principals uh, one and basically after azerbaijan had been announced and the fact that azerbaijan has a fucking terrible human rights record um unsurprisingly um <laughs> although we go to fucking bahrain and places like that that doesn't seem to matter either um that's all the journalists were basically asking. They were just saying, do you think it's right that the sport is going to somewhere that's, you know, 15th from bottom on the World League of places you are likely to go and have your fingers removed for for spitting in the street or something ridiculous? Um, and Christian Horner said, look, I'm getting really biased. It's really depressing. Can we actually talk about, like, motor racing and how amazing the last race was and how well Lewis did and all these bits and pieces? I get really sick. Said we just we just constantly talk negatively about the sport, and I don't think it's very good. And I was actually thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm about to agree with Christian Horner. Yeah, I was just saying that. I was thinking that. Sorry, when he's not winning, he's saying some okay things. <laughs> but when he's winning, that's when you can't deal with Christian Horner because he's so smug. But yeah, and no, I agree that, that that sounds. I've never seen that, but it sounds like a really good thing to have said. <laughs> the ironic thing is, of course, that actually realistically, the journalists have a point in that. Um, I don't think any sport should be going and no. and promoting places with terrible human rights records. But yeah, I mean, if it was up to me, we wouldn't go to Russia, Azerbaijan, China, or Bahrain. But that's that's fucking Formula One, unfortunately, under the Eccleston yes uh, regime. So what can you do about it? It's um, and and uh, that was also his point. Is to saying oh, we don't make the you know we don't decide where we go. The FIA agrees with Bernie Eccleston. Well, Bernie Eccleston makes the races and the FIA then say whether it's okay for us to go there. And then when it's not, do you know what I mean? Then then we don't go, like in Bahrain, the other, the other you know, was it Bahrain? Where it's Bahrain the process? they boycotted. Yeah. Ago, yeah. Um, <laughs> and just again, just you just think, we boycotted a race, a race once. Let's not make us do it again, guys. <laughs> but no, but the thing is, but then we went back, so I don't know why anybody is thinking that Formula One wouldn't go anywhere the fuck it likes. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Bernie does not so give point, a fuck. It will fucking it will race. 
If the moon was to give Ben Eccleston 30 million pounds, we'd be racing in the moon. If the fucking Russian separatists in the fucking Ukrainian said, do you know what? We'd quite fancy a race, but you know, he, he did, he, you know, he'd look at it and go, oh, how much are you willing to pay me? And then as soon as they did, it's fine. Is it 25 million? Yes, that's funny. I just need that amount of money. Great. Off, off for you. That's it. You know, like Nick Clegg, I think, called for, for Russia to be stripped of the title of the World Cup uh, 2018. Yep. So you know, uh, it might, I, I agree too. Uh, for the record, we I, I don't. I don't understand how we can take sporting sporting events to a place that's currently in the middle of getting sanctions for. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we're, like invading. We don't, a sovereign we don't really nation do current and... affairs much on this show, but you know, it's pretty fucking ridiculous. I mean, so I agree with Clegg on that one. Not very often I'll say that, but I do. Um, yeah, so I just. Just an interesting point that the fact that he's bringing that up about the World Cup, it might be interesting to see if anybody brings up Formula One um, with the same regard. Wait and see. Is, are we doing Russia this year? We are. Yeah, is it this year? So uh, it's the fourth from last Grand Prix. So actually, we're only not um, that far away. A couple of months away then. So uh, October. Yeah. So. Um, Time's getting on if anybody does want so, to kick so, it off us. So. so when I said that there was a race in the North Pole, I probably wasn't all that far off by the time the weather fucking closes in around... Uh... No. October in Russia, that's probably dark, like fucking 16 hours a day. <laughs> Formula One cars with forward-facing lights on them. So yeah, we'll see what happens there, but let's hope that... Um, yeah, it, it, I would rather not go there, but whatever. Well, don't expect to not go there. I expect no. to go to Russia, put it that way. <laughs> and to be honest, I expect the World Cup to go there yeah. as well, just because if there's anybody that can compete with Bernie or sheer stubbornness, it's uh, latter in football. So, yeah. yeah, the two of them just will not take no for an answer when it comes to that kind of thing. So chances are we'll be continuing we'll be to going. go to these ridiculous yeah. venues for our sport all around the world. When is sport going to get run by some people with some common sense? Ah. Uh. I don't know. When are we going to get to run Formula One is basically what you're saying there, I think. That's it. <laughs> well, I, I, I like my football as well. I'll do both. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pull double J. I'll, I'll be with you on that one. Yeah, that's that's fine. I think we can <laughs> think we can run FIFA and uh, the FIA. It's it's all good. And FOM or whatever the fuck it's called these days. Uh. Anyway. Anyway. So, any more? Any more news? No, I was just going to say I think that's pretty much the uh, the end of the news. We've covered most of the talking points, which was mostly about Merck and the fucking team orders in the actual race. So let's look ahead. Um, Twenty-five days. Twenty-five Ooh. fucking days. August every year. Bullshit. It's a fucking nightmare. Like, why are we it's not driving cars in the time when there's technically the best weather in Europe? That don't make, that don't make any sense. Why are we waiting until the end of fucking August when the going to be potentially be worse? Anyway, fuck it. 25 days, guys, until Belgium. Wow. It's going to be a long 25 days, but when it comes in... It's going to be worth it. So, it's time to play... What does this track look like? I need to get a better theme tune for this feature. I think it looks like some kind of bird. I'm not following you on... Oh, hang on. Yes, I do. Uh, imagine the top... So the hairpin yep. is, a, is a beak. Yes. Right? And au rouge, it's like a little eye. Yes. See the lump? It's like a little I can, eye. I can, I can follow that. So the, so, so, the, so the bus stop is a mouth. The bus stop chicane is kind of like... <laughs> yes. And then a wing is the 
the hill section of the track, and then the back end is like just a little tail like, like a little tail or something. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good spot. I'm very pleased to you spotted that one. Um, <laughs> also, water pistol. <laughs> well, it, it's definitely a, a gun of some sort for a start. Yeah. I also thought it looked vaguely like some of those um, climbing axes. For like when they climb up like the sides of mountains and stuff. Oh yeah, okay, I can see that. Oh, that's yeah. kind of in there. Um, what was the other thing I was thinking? I think if you turn it upside down, it can pretty much be a boat. So you've got like the yes. the, the vessel, and then oh, yeah, the, top, like a... the top bit's like I don't know what 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 do you call that on a boat? A big the big bit. The mast. <laughs> the mast. That's the word. Yeah, good man, good man. So yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a boat in there, a bit of a navy ship or something. I like my board one. Spaz, Spaz, quite a good sort of like. It's not your traditional sort of Formula One track layout, so you can, you can have a little bit of fun with it. I think it also it could be a witch, with a witch. Yeah, with but her hat has fallen back a lot, so like the point of the um, thingy corner is uh, the top of the hat. Right. Yep. <laughs> and then when you go all the way okay, along yeah, to the right hand side yeah. that's the nose and then that sort of drops down to the lips and chin at the bottom yeah i'm seeing it I'm also seeing it. also great bottle opener <laughs> standard that's standard i was like just glancing i've got them both up here the hungry one last week just, that one that hungry must be the first one that's never been a bottle opener every single other one great bottle opener now that's got a bottle it has got a lot of bottles, hasn't it? It? The, the bottom you know the big round curve on the yeah i suppose but no, no it's it's no spa, is it? <laughs> well, uh, it's it's going to be tricky. It's not the greatest bottle open in the world. Spa is spa is opening your beer all day long. You know I reckon I mean? you could. Uh, have I sat for a sustained period of time all night. There's probably more in that spa, and it's a very good one for our everybody's favourite, uh, everybody's favourite segment. So, yeah, um, yeah, I like spa. Good, uh, good for picking out random um, shapes and the track layout, and also not a bad place to have a whole Formula One race. No, absolutely not. Our favourite track, pretty much. I think we, I think we agreed on I think that. Think if, we? if I went out on the street and pulled 10, 10 fans, I'd expect at least eight or nine of them to say Spa is their favourite, probably. Yeah. So, who doesn't love the Belgian Grand Prix? Indeed, the classic one was on the nearly ninety-eight pile-up. Yes, with, uh, Jesus, a fucking Damon Hill winning it in a Jordan, and it was on Classic F1 on the channel um, like last week, and I came in. And it was just like the last couple of laps, and I was like, oh man, have I missed that? I should have had that on record. Damn it, I was really pissed off at myself that I missed, missed 98 Belgium. Try and hopefully in the run-up to Spa in the next three weeks, because we've got an awful lot of time with no actual <laughs> Formula 1 on, yeah, you might stick it on again for me. <laughs> Sounds so. good. Sounds good. Um, so, uh, who, who are you predicting for, for the win? Oh, three and a half weeks away. Someone could develop a, a race-winning car by then in that time, but... Um, <laughs> It got to be a Mercedes. Uh, uh, quick straights. Uh, they'll set that car up. Pretty much polar opposite, you would think, to the Hungarian track where they'll be they'll be really quick down the down the back straight through or and down the back straight. So they'll probably be really difficult to pass, and will breeze past people. So it's tough to see anything but Mercedes. Mm -hmm. And who are you going to plump for out of those two? I'm gonna stay stick with Nico. I have no reason to stay otherwise. Hmm. Do you know what? It was a bit me that was thinking. I was thinking to go for Nico. I don't really remember Lewis ever being very good at Spa, particularly. I think I think there's potential for shenanigans. Who knows what the weather can be like in Spa? I think that's the thing. And 
And if and it was shenanigans, even though this weekend completely disproves what I'm about to say, if there was shenanigans, I'd, I'd expect Rosberg to to just take it home. Even though, like, this weekend, it was the opposite <laughs> of that. But, yeah, yeah if there's shenanigans in Spa, any kind of rain, incidents, whatever, stick them with my Nico. So, yeah, and, and you know, he's he's not half bad, even when there's not shenanigans too. So. Fair days. Yeah, I'm going to go with Nico as well. And uh, as for the other guys, you know, the, the other 10 teams that do exist, uh, probably not going to be Red Bull's best track, I wouldn't have thought. No, I'm, I'm plump for one of the Williams too. You'd be surprised if Williams didn't come back to form. In fact, actually, I'd really, I'd really fancy Bottas to, to do very well on this track. I think it's yeah. the kind of track that would suit his style of driving. So I could see that, that too, actually. Yeah. Cool. And we're quite in agreement then. Yeah, for once. Hopefully three weeks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In three weeks' time, Ferrari, McLaren might... Might do a bit of improvement, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Well, well, I think that takes us nicely to the uh, end of this week's show. Uh, got it up nice and quick after the uh, the GP, which is a nice change for us, mostly. <laughs> so we do try yeah, to sneak it in as late as possible. Um, <laughs> We've got three bloody weeks until the next Belgium. I know. <laughs> ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, first off, uh, just to let people know... Uh, Apple are dicks, iTunes are dicks, and they decided to cut our iTunes feed for some fucking reason that they're not going to tell me. Can so they we, they can, they can and have in fact done. Oh. Facts. Um, Apple are dicks newsflash. <laughs> <laughs> There's a surprise. Um, so if you are subscribed to the podcast through iTunes, I'm not sure how long, if the feed will continue to send you the latest episodes, I will continue to try and update the old feed um, as well as the newly submitted feed, but I will be posting details on Twitter, on Facebook, um, and obviously on the website uh, for each of the episodes with the new links to it. So if you're subscribed to the old one, do resubscribe to the new one, um, and you know, and then obviously uh, adjust your subscription settings as necessary. Um, but do remember that you know if you join us on Facebook at uh, facebookcom forward slash the final lap podcast or on Twitter at final lap at Final Lap Podcast, uh, or indeed uh, get an RSS feed going on uh, modernfanatical.co.uk. You can always get the latest episode as soon as it comes out. Uh, and in the meantime, with 25 days to go, if you want to hear some uh, other opinions on things other than Formula One, make sure you join me and Sean on Twitter. I'm at Megs. Yeah, I'm at Fog on the Fourth. Um, without any Formula One to to discuss for the next 20, uh, 25 days, I'm sure there'll be plenty of other uh, general general bullshit floating about on there from us <laughs> both. I like my cricket at the moment. If anybody's into cricket, come along, tweet me up. I'll be chatting about that, moaning about Alistair Cook. So, yeah, give us a give us a shout. I have been recently mostly um, moaning about how stupid Hollyoaks is. So, oh, I used to watch Hollyoaks all the time, and then I haven't for ages. I do like my big brother, though. I'm not going to lie. Guilty uh, pleasure there. So well, there you go. So, yeah. Your big brother. For all your that. big brother things, follow Sean on Twitter. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And on that slightly dis- uh, unencouraging note about the, uh, <laughs> the the quality of the TV that Sean watches, um, <laughs> I think that's all we should definitely talk about this week. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you in quite a few weeks for yep. the next episode of the Final Lap Podcast. Goodbye. Bye-bye.